In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. Clint Paget is a seasoned entrepreneur with over 30 years experience as a project manager and leader. He's a published author, teacher, and expert in team building and the art of conversation. Clint is a Forbes Books featured author, Forbes speaker's thought leader, and frequently speaks on project management and teamwork. In addition to becoming an entrepreneur, Clint is an adjunct professor at the Georgia Institute of Technology. And welcome to the People Catalyst podcast, Clint Pageant. Thanks for having me. All the way from Atlanta, Georgia, on the other side of the continent. That's right. <laughs> so I'm really excited about our chat here today, Clint, because we have a lot of things in common in working with teams and cross-functional teams and collaboration. But I really think that, you know, we have some really other unique things we could talk about with uh, the intangible, intangible products. If anybody has been listening to the podcast for quite some time, we did a podcast called Don't Be a Scrum Bag, and the most recent one was about working remotely. So you can go back there and dig some nuggets of, uh, of what we talked about there. But tell us at first, Clint, uh, what's your entrepreneurial story? So it's quite interesting, actually. I did not want to be an entrepreneur. That was my, <laughs> my dad was an entrepreneur. And so growing up, I remember having a job working for my dad, whether it was picking up trash or, or sweeping the, the lot or whatever from the time I could six years old even, I was doing that. So he had probably seven or eight different businesses until that before I was 18. And I thought, man, I want to punch a clock, get my paycheck and this entrepreneurial <laughs> stuff is not it's for me. It's kind of hard, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, especially when you're family, you don't get a paycheck. That makes it even yeah, tougher, that, right? Yeah, good point. I remember those days. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of became circuitous, but basically in back in 94, I came to work for this company, Project Success. And over the next 11 years, I kind of worked my way up the, the ladder. And then in 2005, the current owner wanted to, to basically exit the, the, the business. And so I was able to put an offer together and buy the company from him. So hence my entrepreneurial thing came 360, even though it wasn't my intention going out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. And so now it's, so you purchased it in 2005. So you've been the CEO and the owner of uh, Project Success uh, for quite some time now. Yeah, I've been 15 years as the owner and then another 11 years before that as an employee. So 26 years all told with the company. Nice. You don't hear that very often anymore these days. Right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you must love the work that you do. No, I only had three jobs in my, outside of my dad's stuff. I had three jobs, six years in the Navy, six years at Coca-Cola and now 26 years at PSI. So I do nice. love the work. It's, uh, it's, I think it's challenging work, but the beautiful thing is we have a process that we know is successful and uh, we get to apply, try it on different projects with different people in all parts of the globe. And it's a lot of fun. So share with us a little bit about that process, because I, it looks like you actually run the projects, but then you guys also teach a certified process, right? That is really the project success method, right? Yeah, we teach a, a, a course called the project success method that basically is 
the basic blocking and tackling of how do you get projects done. Mm-hmm. So there are certainly things that, that we don't get into. Like you may work your entire career and never need to use earned value because you don't do what, you know, you don't work for the government. So it doesn't, it's not required. So we took that, we ended up taking that out of our course. And uh, one of our clients put it best, which I love. He says, you know, you can take these other classes and they teach you to use a drill and a hammer and a saw. And when the class is over, you're really the expert in using those tools, but you can't do anything with it. He said, mm-hmm. what you guys teach, you teach us how to, build a table and along the way we learn how to use all the tools necessary but when I'm done I can build a table and I can even see see my way clear to building chairs and and stools as well absolutely so so we have a process we we follow and then after that that's so the process itself is just a couple of days but then we after that we actually come and help our clients we basically try to work ourselves out of a job so we come in Ah, like that there for a short period of time now short can be relative right it could be Mm -hmm. six months short might be three years at a client but we're there for a short period of time and our job over that period of time is to give them and mentor them as much as possible so when we exit they are fully Mm self-sufficient fully functional able to do it on their own absolutely it's about skills transfer Uh, And uh, I always tell, depending on when we're working with a client on the term, if it's a 12 month, 18 month, just like you said, a couple year gig that if I, if you can never not have me there, I didn't do my job. (laughs) Like our job is to give them the tools they need. And it's not a one size fits all. I mean, every project is still a art and a science. It is. I mean, there's, there's, so there's the, there's the process side of things that are important. There are the people side of things, which I'm very passionate about, which is important, but there is always going to be a bit of an art. And as long as you get to the same end result, it doesn't really matter that much how you got there as long as you were successful. Yeah, I love it. So share with us a little bit about, I had mentioned earlier, uh, since we had a, a couple minutes to connect before getting on the podcast about the podcast that we did, Alan and I did, uh, Don't Be a Scrumback. And the application of project management with intangible, intangible products, because I think that's really important when you look at what type of tool you're pulling out of your toolbox, right, to apply to a challenge. Because again, it's not one size fits all. I mean, I know when you're a hammer, everything's a nail, but I think that not understanding that art and the science and how you can apply different methodologies uh, for tangible and intangible products. Yeah, I work on mostly tangible products. So we we do big construction projects. We develop soft, um, we develop semiconductor chips with our clients. We do new product development for bulldozers and ag tractors. So these are tangible projects. Mm-hmm. And each of those projects may indeed have a software component, which I would consider more intangible. And I love Agile for software development. I think it's fantastic as a user of that product. We have a toolkit that we, we use on Microsoft Project and we our developer uses Agile from the sprints to do that with. And as a as a consumer, as a, as a customer, that's great because I can play with the code every two weeks. I can test features, give immediate feedback. But I think that it has a place. And when you get outside of that, it's really hard to show me a sprint for a kiosk or show me a sprint for <laughs> a 75-story building, right? This doesn't, to me, it doesn't work as well. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's and to go and use your words, basically now Agile's become the hammer and they're going to use everything to be the nail. And I just don't think that's where it really belongs. Yeah, I agree. You have to empower individuals because you solve problems with people. And I know you said earlier, Clint, that you're really passionate about the people side. I That is where I love to live. Um, I'm not sure if you heard the interview with Bill DeMarco, the gentleman who's the chair for the uh, the College of the Air Force. 
uh, but we're like setting it on fire because we're just like, you know, just so passionate about this people part that I think is, you know, not typically the passion that the technical individuals have. So share with us a little bit about not only your passion for that, but the type of work you guys do in that team building aspect. Sure. So our approach is really more, it's based on the, the critical path method from the fifties. And so before anybody who likes agile turns the dial off, it's a very agile like process. I would really consider it to be more of a hybrid approach where we, we've been around longer than, than agile or scrum have. We've been around 83. And what we really do is we believe in team focused, team centric, the people on the team develop the project plan that they want to go do and are going to promise mm-hmm. to deliver. So it builds accountability. We believe in short duration activities in the near term, five or 10 days is what we typically recommend, which of course ends up being one or two week sprints, which people are familiar with. We believe in getting back together either weekly or every other week to update the project plan so that it's not static. So I, what we do is not what you would, people would, that like Agile would consider waterfall. In fact, one of the classes I was teaching was at the Sheller School of Business at Georgia Tech, and we were doing one for the cable industry, and the lady was asking about Agile, and I said, well, let me get through the presentation, and I think you're going you're gonna to see that we're very Agile-like. At the end of the two-hour presentation, she says, Clint, I have to tell you, you are the least offensive waterfall guy I've ever met. <laughs> So I wear that like a badge of honor, right? Oh, that's good. But yeah, we're really big on the people. We believe that the people are the reason for success on projects. Oh, yeah. And one of the things- People support what they build. I mean, you said it right there just a couple moments ago, Clint, when you said they create it. They, you know, when I was an early on entrepreneur, because I had no idea what I was doing as a CEO at 20 years old, but, you know, you figure it out and- um, the school of hard knocks is a hard teacher, but you learn, you learn it quickly. <laughs> so, but, um, you do, you know, you know, most of the world today works in a matrix and in a matrix, you think uh, about that as a project manager, you don't really have any authority over the people on your team. Mm-hmm. You don't give them pay raises. You don't give them job, your job reviews. You know, that's, that's our functional manager that does that. And so they're only dotted line to your project. And Oh, by the way, they're dotted line to seven or eight other projects. Not only do you not control the people on your team, you're competing for their time with others. Mm-hmm. So what that really means is your only chance to be successful when you're trying to manage a project in a matrix is if the people on the team hold themselves accountable because you can't make them do it. They have to hold themselves accountable to get it done. Yeah, I always wondered why they didn't adopt what I built for them, Clint. When I was a young CEO, I was like, man, I stayed up till four o'clock in the morning putting this clarity chart together and everybody's, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh my goodness, why aren't they adopting it? Duh, right? Um, And I think there's, there's something lost there in team building. And we talk about it all the time on the People Catalyst podcast is that we have 110 years of marketing research about human nature, right? It's the largest body of marketing research that's ever been created. And all you ever hear is how does that apply to the customer? But how do you get to the customer if you're not collaborating with your team and then helping you then solve that problem for your customer? I just think it's so interesting that in... Heck, I even did that as a young entrepreneur and business owner too, is I'd go out with the customers and they'd think I was amazing, right? I'd come in with my team and I'd start cracking the whip. (laughs) (laughs) I could leave dead bodies behind me because I wanted done yesterday, but it's because I cared so much about my team. It was just that if they don't know that, right, then you get back and and, and that, you know, it, 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 We've got all sorts of words for it, right? In corporate America, Clint, change management, uh, culture, employee engagement, leadership, I can go on and on. 
at the end of the day, people support what they build. So regardless of what you're trying to solve, I love that you guys, especially because you have a tangible product and you have the, the individuals that work more in, because you said out of the, your team, there's a couple salespeople sprinkled in, which tend to be the individuals that are better with um, people. But then you've got your technology or your architects or that they're not usually as good with people. How do you balance that when you teach and train? Okay, with understanding the project owner or that scrum, but you know what I mean, the person yep. that's actually in charge of the project. And then in building that out with your team, with the technological or the uh, technical people, and then the visionary, bigger picture individuals. Yeah, I think the person that's running the project is the project manager or project leader or whatever terminology you want to use. They have to have two sides of the brain have to work, right? Because part of project management really and truly is math-based, right? There's activity A takes five days, B takes five days, C takes five days. They're all sequential. The project is 15 days long. So there's a math component to it to be able to say something, whether something makes sense or not when you look at your, your project plan. Mm-hmm. But the, I think the bigger piece that most people struggle with, because uh, I, I, what I find a lot of times is the project manager ends up being the technical person that gets promoted to be the project manager. And then the skill they maybe lack is that skill that the softer skills, the, the human, you know, the touch and feel skills of really being able to have a conversation with with somebody, understand what motivates them. And I think the other thing is you have to be protective of your team. So mm-hmm. going back to the customer comment, the customer is going to want everything. And, and since they're the one paying the bill, they deserve to want everything, but we can't deliver everything, right? Or we can, but we need more time and we need more money. So mm-hmm. no is an appropriate response in my world. You know, you have to be able to say to the customer, listen, I understand this, what you want. But in, in my, in the world of work that we do, most of our customers are internal who are then going to sell it to the external customer, right? We're doing a project to make a marketing director happy or a sales or a product manager happy. And they're going to go out and sell it to Apple or Intel or, or, you know, the farmer, right? That's their the salesperson's job, but we're trying to make somebody internally happy. And you have to be able to say, listen, I understand that's what you want. And if you have that, you could sell a hundred thousand units in Q1. The problem is nobody can do that. That's impossible. There's the right, you're breaking the laws of physics or we need, we can do it. We're going to, we're going to need nine months and you want it in four months. So you have to have these hard conversations to be able to, to add clarity and say, listen, I don't want to tell you we can do it today and then not deliver. I'd rather tell you today we can't do it. And here's what we can do and agree to that and deliver on that. Mm-hmm. And that's, so to me, saying no is appropriate. I, I would much, I think most customers, while they may not admit that out, out loud, they would rather know up front what can and can't be done and, and know they can deliver, they can depend on you to deliver than to have you say, yeah, no problem up front and then have no idea whether they're going to get what they wanted in the end. I completely agree with you on that. And as a young business owner and entrepreneur, that's one of the most important lessons, I think, uh, in working with uh, one of my mentors and coaches was, Carla, repeat after me. No. (laughs) Because I tend to have the yes disease and, you know, and you're right, you have to protect your team and they have to know that you have their back. Um, I think that's really important. So how has this with now everyone working remotely and it's becoming, you know, Zoom meetings, the standard more than, right, the... um, Face-to-face. Yeah, and then face-to-face. How has that, or how have you been able to then support either your internal team and or your customers in doing that? Because there are things that you just 
can't communicate on a video, right? Then you can get to that face-to-face aspect with that. So how have you guys been managing that, not only with your internal team, but then also with your customers? Well, for us, we've always had a virtual component. So I would say that of the work that we do, what we have found in, in our time together is basically that you need to build relationships. That's the key part is having relationships built up front. And those relationships get formed best in a face-to-face, in-person environment. Now, the luckily, the good news for us is that face-to-face session can be as short as two or three days. And then the rest of the two-year project can actually be run remotely based on the relationships we establish in the first couple of three days. So, let me give you a scenario for that. Let's say that you and I have worked together for, um, you know, for 20 years. And, you know, I've only known you um, through email. And so when I, and I'm working on your project and I'm working on five other projects here at Acme Corporation and, and I put my 50 to 60 hours in a week, I'm working really, really hard, doing the best I can. And I feel I'm definitely giving more than my share to the, to the company. And so you are one of, we're working on one of six projects that are on my plate. And when I finish my task, my job is to give it to you and you do some, you do some magic and the company ends up making money in the end, right? And everybody's happy. Well, I happen to have a project right now where I've got one of those tasks and I need to get done for you and it's running a little bit late. And I'm thinking, you know, because for whatever reason, it fell down to the bottom, bottom of the pile and I'm just not going to be able to get it done. And I'm thinking, you know, I did my 60 hours this week. I, it's not like I haven't done my job. Carl is just not going to get it on Friday like I promised it. And uh, I end up, let's say I give it to you the following Thursday. So I basically give it to you four working days late. And so, but then, you know, you do your magic and the company makes money. And I never hear anything else about it. So I'm thinking everything's fine. And then, so let's say we've always done things that way, but then we decide to take a pause and let's actually plan a project and, and have everybody face to face for two or three days. And if you think about it, even if it's just two days, that's two lunches, that's probably one team dinner, and that's probably six or seven coffee breaks where we can actually have a dialogue mm-hmm. and establish a relationship that we're not going to get virtually. I mean, right now, even if we were on all-day Zoom sessions, at some point I'm going to put my, my headset down and go to get a cup of coffee in my kitchen, and nobody's walking with me. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in a face-to-face environment, somebody is walking, and we're actually having a conversation. And so let's say that we're having one of these conversations, you and I, because we're, we're together for these two or three days, and I find out you have two kids about my kid's age, and we're talking about that, and, you know, your kids are interested in, in soccer and, and, and baseball, and my kids are interested in the same thing. And so now you and I become, you know, now there's a bond that's beginning to form here. You're no longer Carla at acmecorporations.com. You're actually Carla, the, the lady who has two kids my kid's age and have a lot in common with, right? Mm-hmm. So, let me go back into the, the room and, and we're looking at the, the project plan. And let's say that my task, it feeds into you as one of those tasks that if it's late, the whole project is late. And so, I, I say to you, I say, well, Carl, I don't think this is right because uh, technically, I know for a fact on the last project we worked together on, I was, you know, three or four days late and the project didn't finish late. And you say, well, Clint, you're right. You were three to four days late and the project plan is correct because what happened is when I got it late from you, I had to make up for your lateness because I couldn't afford to let the project be late. So I ended up working two weekends in a row. And I got to tell you, you were not Mr. Popular around my household. You know, Clint, <laughs> Clint Padgett was a four letter word for about, you know, three weeks in my house. Because over those two weekends that I had to work, she's, you know, you tell me, hey, I had to miss my son's, you know, um, recital. I had to miss my daughter's soccer match. These, rig- these big events, I'm never going to get back. And I got to tell mm-hmm. you, I was not happy with you. Mm-hmm. And so now I start to feel bad. I'm thinking, oh, well, that's terrible. I would hate for somebody else to, to make me miss 
not a big event in my kid's life. So when I go back to Atlanta and you stay on the West Coast, you're still Carla at AgbyCorporation.com. But now the next project I have when I work with you, I'm going to make sure that I get my stuff done because I don't want to be the reason mm-hmm. that you're going to be late and miss some big event in your kid's life. So what I'm really done is I've changed you from an email address into a living, breathing human being that I now feel accountable to. And that, that relationship can be formed in just two or three days. And then the, literally the other 24 months of a project can be done 100% remotely as long as you have established those bonds up front. So for us, what we found to be successful is we have those sessions up front where we, we use there together for three or four days. It depends on whether we're doing training or not. And then the rest of the project, which some can be as long as two or three years. You know, we, we do all the Olympic planning for one of the major sponsors for the Olympics. We plan all their activations and we start planning those events two years in advance. Mm-hmm. And, but we, you know, we go over two years in advance and we have those face-to-face meetings that establish the bonds we need to be able to run the project. Yeah, I've noticed that, especially with all the working remotely now. I take physical handwritten notes with colored pens so I can remember things about people because when I'm face-to-face with them, I get the, you know, nonverbal, I get the, 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 their face, just seeing their face um, in a 3D version, right? And I found that I had to keep these notes next to my desk the la- because I, plus everybody's available, right? Now all of a sudden we're on like, you know, six or eight, you're getting zoomed out throughout the day. And then I'm like, okay, who is that person? And I never have that issue. <laughs> right, right. I can remember my first clients, a lot of them, you know, I'm still friends with today. So I think that's really critical. Um, and some really great points there on building that relationship. I, I think that's amazing. So with that, where can our listeners get a hold of you, Clint? So they can reach us at projectsuccess.com or they can find me at clintonmpaget.com. Fantastic. Well, we really appreciate you being on the show and uh, sharing your team brilliance and also the people part, because as you know, on the People Catalyst podcast, that in business and life, relationships are everything. So thank you for sharing, sir. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.